0: It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear, plus my friends in the third row, and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com.
2: Hey, happy Monday! Welcome along, everyone, to attacking third. I'm Poppy Miller here with Lisa Carlin, Jordan, Angeli, and Darian Jenkins. We're five days in now to the <laughs> World Cup. How's everyone's body clock feeling? First of all, are we Weird. on a bit of
0: a rhythm yet, yeah, or not? A-, a little bit off because then I get the caffeine kick from all the coffee I've been drinking. Um, it's a little off for sure. I haven't perfected it yet.
3: I, I don't know what I'm
2: doing. I-, I feel like every day is a new game plan, but I'm here, and <laughs> we're that's here. all I'm we're not. Live. <laughs> Which is hard because the games aren't all at the same time slots. There's yeah. a game here, yeah. a game there. Uh, one early, one late. It's hard to know what day we're on and what time the game is That time, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, and then
4: Challenge Cup on top
2: of it, Yeah. trying to
4: catch all. I've never consumed so much soccer in my life.
2: (laughs) Uh, One game that we were all uh, very eager to watch, though, was the U.S. women's national team. It was a 3-0 win against Vietnam to kick off the campaign. Here's a look at the stats because it was complete dominance in, in terms of the numbers. 28 shots, seven of which were on target. They scored three of them. And they were expected to win. They got the win. Did it play out how you are expecting it to, Jordan? Well, it played out how Lisa expected it to. She called three to nothing. Well done, Lisa.
3: It did in a a couple of different ways. One, Vietnam was very defensive-minded. They man-marked. It was difficult for the United States to figure that out, because you don't play against man-marking very often. But once they did, they started to figure out these relationships and how they could manipulate space by pulling their man-marked defender out of that space, this is the beauty of a goal we get. It's all through Sophia Smith and what she could do off the ball. I thought that it took a little bit for the United States to figure that out. And then once they did, we saw them on the ball. I think they got caught a little too much in dribbling situations. But for the most part, I don't think I think there's been a lot of talk about them coming out of this game and maybe yeah. it wasn't a great performance. But I don't think you leave that performance and are disappointed in any – I'm not disappointed in how they performed and the goals that they got.
4: Yeah. No, I agree. I think once they once they found their groove and you, start, you started to see chemistry building and I think nerves settled a little bit, it's, they were clearly the dominant team. And the, like even the flick from Alex and then especially mm-hmm. for me when – Pino and Rose came in and you saw them just kind of dancing on the ball around the 18 and making quick passes, quick movements, flicks and tricks. That's the yeah. the chemistry that I think we were lacking at the start of the match. I
2: think that just shows how high the expectations are of mm-hmm. this team, though, yeah. to say that they dominated so much in every single statistical category and they won 3-0 but still were like, it was okay yeah. for an <laughs> opening right? match. Uh, how good was Sophia Smith, though? Two goals and an assist in that game. Oh, Sophia was electric
0: throughout this game. Um, I think it's more so about the confidence that this gives her going into it, right? She has now set the tone mm-hmm. for the expectations of herself and this tournament. And there was a lot of pressure on her throughout this to do well and to score goals and she ends up doing that. Also getting the assist is massive for a player like this because now she can carry that momentum throughout the rest of the tournament. But I've been really impressed with across the front line all of those players and what they've been able to do specifically Trinity Rodman. Her off the ball work to me was tremendous throughout this game. Um, She's going to be a bright light for this US side moving forward.
2: Uh, And Sophia Smith and Trinity Rodman are both two of 14 debutantes for this US women's national team when it comes to world cups as
4: is emily fox who really impressed you darian yeah she was on fire i think she was so dynamic defensively she was the best one v one defender in my opinion and then going forward she contributed to a lot of the attacks she was she could have scored she had a shot on goal or a shot or two on goal um and she was just really dynamic and calm has even
2: she, has thi- she done enough to earn her place in the starting 11 for the next game
4: I believe so. Yeah, I think I think that, she already I think did that. Did that. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel
3: like that was kind of already locked in, but when when you're saying her defensive. You sh- They tucked their outside backs in. So their structure and regain situations was very internal with Crystal Dunn and Emily Fox tucked inside. So they also, they look like midfielders. And which they can both do because they're both really good on the ball. They're good in attacking moments. So then they could find little pockets of space to either play through their midfielders or get the ball wide to the players that were playing in the wings. And I I think that that was one of the real benefits of having those two players playing outside backs is
0: that they actually can be a midfielder you <laughs> pseudo midfielder at moments too and that's exactly what we've seen crystal dunn do in past and Emily Fox do at Club um, and with the United States and now to have her continue to do it. I was really impressed also with the the center backs. Of course Julie Earth mm-hmm. slotting into that spot maybe a bit of a surprise for some people, but she's one of the center backs that, that is allowed to slot in there. I think we'll see her moving forward. But Naomi Gurma as well, they didn't receive a lot of pressure throughout this game yeah. a, at all. And the fact that they were still able to stay involved, not fall asleep on the play and when they did receive the ball be able to break lines with it and stay engaged in the attack um, that's what you want to see from two center backs that really aren't being tested or put under pressure
2: what was Vlatko seeing in Juliet's that made her the right decision to start at center back and do you think that she'll start at center back in the next match as well
3: did you see her pass to Sophia Smith when Sophia Smith played the ball to Lindsay Horan it was this perfectly timed but were coordination you expecting
2: her to start there because I think it was a surprise for many wasn't it
3: I don't think I was expecting her but then once the game started playing out I said I, I get why Vlatko started yeah. her because she She's better on the ball. She has a, a better, I think, better range of passing. She's a little bit more consistent. She can dribble. Be, she's better on the dribble, pushing into the midfield, which we saw her do at moments. I, I think it was a smart decision, but I, I do not think we'll see here. I think we see Cook and Gurma. because I, yeah, I, I just feel like that was the only time Vlatko was going to be able to play those two next to each other. They had never played next to each uh-uh. other before, Gurma and Ertz. So, if something were to happen going forward, at least yeah. they have that under their belt. But I think it goes back to the other two center backs.
4: I agree. And I also think it was smart. I understand his reasoning of starting Ertz this game because her attacking presence, no one throws their head into a tackle or like crazier situations. <laughs> more than Julie Ertz. The destroyer. Yeah, she's the destroyer. So I think... Giving her that time, you're right to build that chemistry, mm-hmm. and then also, if she were to come on or have to move into that position, her attacking presence on free kicks mm-hmm. and set plays is.
0: She's line. the first one they bring up on yeah. corner kicks and set pieces, and saying, "Urts, get in the box and yeah. get on the end of it." And she is the first one to run at the ball. You're exactly yeah, right your post and to get onto it. She gets herself involved in the play. I mean, she needs to be on the pitch. I don't know where. I think that we could still see her at the center back position, though. Honestly, moving forward. Ooh, hot Sa- take.
2: Yeah. yeah. Savannah DeMello was another one that I think we're, a lot of people were maybe surprised to see in the starting 11. What did you make of her performance? And has she done enough moving forward, do you think, Jordan?
3: I don't think we saw enough from Savannah DeMello. She did, when she got on the ball, she was really good on the ball, 92% passing accuracy. So it meant she kept the ball in situations. But... I think when we saw Roosevelt come in, Mm. it was like Roosevelt had never left. Everything that she does, she's so silky smooth on the ball. She's bright. She has different ideas. She's healing, flicking. All these things that add a different depth to this U.S. Women's National Team, I think savannah DeMello might not get the minutes i think maybe ashley sanchez gets the minutes okay. before rose can start these games consistently
2: because there will be a bigger test won't it obviously the netherlands in the next in their next match a rematch of the 2019 uh, world cup final mm-hmm. if you are Co. what kind of things are you weighing up ahead of that game that you want to see maybe improvements from the team or personnel wise oh good question
4: I think the the building on that chemistry of being a little more dynamic moving forward, being more clinical in front of goal. How how many shots did they have? We said how many 27 that could have gone in or that should have been on frame and that could have been scoring opportunities. So I think finishing all of the opportunities that are presented and then just working on that dynamicism moving forward. And Like I said, you said. Having Rose come in change mm-hmm. the yeah. tempo mm-hmm. of the game. I think she'll start. I yeah. think we'll get a start from Ooh. Rose Lavelle. I okay. do.
0: Um, I think building those minutes back, I mean, she looked fit. She looked ready yeah, to she go. Great. I want her to get that start. Um, Julie Ertz saying after that Vietnam opening match that this team needs to finish their chances if they're going to continue to move further in this tournament. Mm-hmm. And that could not be any more true of this team and, and what needs to happen. There were so many opportunities that they have to find the back of the net. They're going to get probably two or three versus Netherlands. Mm -hmm. It's a very different team.
3: They play truly in like a 3-1-4-2 structure. This is a very attacking-minded Netherlands squad. So what the U.S. are going to have to deal with defensively is going to be completely different. But one of the things I think is beneficial for the United States is they got to watch Netherlands play against Portugal, Mm -hmm. who is also very attacking-minded. So they can take some of those things away and glean some information from that game. Whereas I don't know how much Netherlands can take out of this game against uh, Vietnam for for the U.S. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I suppose as well for Vlatko, just big picture, a lot of players getting minutes for the first time in the World Cup. They got yeah. a clean sheet. They got yeah. a win as well. It was job done. Uh, no one got squad. injured. Yes. That's a big part of it as well. Exactly. Yeah. And now he's got a full squad. No red cards. That was also yeah, no a red story. <laughs> 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 we'll we'll Unfortunately. get to that later, especially uh, with Bunny Shaw as well. Let's just remind you of when the U.S. are playing next. You can watch it on Fox Wednesday at 9 o'clock Eastern against the Netherlands, the rematch of the 2019 World Cup final, where the U.S. won 2-0. Okay, stay with us. We're going to look back at a busy weekend of action here on Attacking Third after this short break.
1: Robert Half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Visit roberthalf.com today.
2: Hey, welcome back to Attacking Third World. There has been a bunch of matches this past weekend. Let's just take a look at some of the notable results. Uh, Japan absolutely cruised to an easy win over Zambia. 6-0 was the final score in that match. Elsewhere, Denmark with a very late winner in the 89th minute. 1-0 at the final against China to go at the top of Group D with England, who despite having plenty of shots on target, plenty of shots as well, could only manage a 1-0 win over Haiti. Uh, they were one of the favorites to win the whole competition, just behind the United States. It was a bit of a frustrating night or morning, wherever you were watching the game, wasn't it, for them? Georgia Stanway with the penalty in the end, and even that came with drama. It had to be retaken <laughs> after the goalkeeper saved it, but came off a line.
0: It, yeah, I mean, England got out lucky in this game, honestly, I think. They, they did have some of the better chances over Haiti, but Haiti was more physical. Yeah. Haiti won the duels in this game over England. That, that's a stat right there for you. And You're exactly right. On the penalty kick, that's how the goal came. And it had to be retaken as the Haiti goalkeeper came off her line early. So Georgia Stanley got a second shot at it. But um, I've been surprised at some of the quote unquote heavy hitters in this World Cup tournament that perhaps haven't been hitting as heavy as a lot of people expected coming into it. You look at Australia. England in this one. Even the United States only getting 3 0 over Vietnam. This was another one for me. Uh, I I think England's upset at themselves that they didn't put a few more in the back of the net. I
3: don't think England had a a great game. I think they looked a little disjointed. I thought Mm -hmm. Stanway looked good in the second half, though, like getting in between the lines. she She did a pretty good job. And England looked a little more lively as the game went on. But one of the things I think about when you're saying that is. These teams who have either their first shot at the World Cup or are very heavy underdogs have months to prep these teams. Look at all the film Haiti had on England. They knew exactly what they were expecting from this English squad. They came in prepared, they showed the world, hello, this is Haiti, we're at the World Cup. And we've seen it in CONCACAF, we got to see those games. I'm not shocked that Haiti played a little bit higher on the field, that they didn't sit back in a low block. But for me, it's more about I want to give props to Haiti, but also this English squad has to be more cohesive
4: if they're going to get results going further in this group. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And props to Haiti and shout out to their goalkeeper. Yes, had a great game, such a great game. Um, But yeah, I totally agree. I think England should be feeling the pressure going into this next match that they need to perform better. There needs to be massive improvements being one of the favorites and yeah, I'm, it's going to be exciting to see. I hope they switch it up. You feel the pressure pops? <laughs> oh, pressure.
2: <laughs> sure. I'm not feeling quite calm, actually. Do you know the, but one of the good things about England, though, is I feel like they often do have a slower start to the competition mm-hmm. and then grow okay. into it. And I think, as you mentioned, England aren't the only ones that uh, probably yeah. should have been yeah. expected yeah. to have a better result than what it played out in I want to give
0: a shout-out to goalkeeper Mary Earps with England because um, you can be lulled to sleep in a game like this mm-hmm. where a Asian safe. side can quickly go in transition. And we saw that at the end of the game. It was mm-hmm. like the 80 80th, 81st minute, and uh, she comes up with this massive kick scene.
2: moments. Yeah, there, like, <laughs> it
0: It saved the game. It would have been 1-1 yeah. at yeah. the end of it all. So really impressive for the goalkeeper, Mary Arps, for yeah, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: no doubt. Okay, let's take a look at Sunday's results then, because a couple of matches that we had our eye on uh, on that match day as well. The Netherlands beating Portugal by a goal to nil. Uh, elsewhere, Sweden 2-1 over South Africa, and then France and Jamaica 0-0. There's a bunch of headlines to come from this match We finally
3: got both teams scoring.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's true, actually. I know you spoke about that earlier on uh, CBS, Lisa. It's an interesting point. I didn't even notice that there's been a lot of shutouts already in this uh, competition. How about Bunny Shaw, though, picking up a red card? Overall, that was a really good result, wasn't it, in the grand scheme of things, for Jamaica to take a point away from France, who are notched to be one of the top contenders in this competition, especially especially with some of the players that they've got. But for Bunny Shaw, the best player for Jamaica to pick up two yellow cards, were they harsh yellow cards, do we think?
3: Yes. (laughs) I, I thought they were both harsh. This is, she just gets there first and the defender's foot goes underneath it. I understand that it sounds like FIFA wants to limit those types of fouls. But this one... I don't know how much contact honestly is made right there. It was slick. It had been raining, but yeah. this needs to be a moment. If you are the best te- player on this team, you play for Manchester City. You know big games. You cannot be going to ground there. No. You you can't. There's not. no need. There's absolutely the, no need. Just cut down the line. Don't yeah. slide. Just run Especially down the line. Especially with the positioning on the
0: field. Exactly. That she was it, in. Was it was not was... a goal-scoring opportunity yeah. by any means. Benny Shaw is going up against Wendy Bernard, right? The center mm, back yeah. for France at this point. You're well in your attacking end. If you're or from Shaw's perspective, you don't go to ground there. Yeah, I just thought it's, they were harsh yellows, to be honest.
3: And maybe for Jamaica, the benefit is they play Panama next and yeah, they're not yeah. playing it's Brazil.
4: Out <laughs> the best way possible for them. I, I agree. I thought they were harsh. I also agree. You don't need to be going to ground there. It's, it makes no sense. It's the last minutes of the game. The ball's likely going mm-hmm. out of bounds, but Renaut sold it really well yeah. to get her... Yes. out of the game. Like, but, she really sold it. But
2: is it a good game for them to miss? Because, yes, it's against Panama, but if you're Jamaica, you're thinking, okay, we took a point from France, and now if we had Bunny Shaw, we'd be looking at all three from Panama, and then we've put ourselves in ideal position. Mm-hmm. I, I still think that Jamaica has a chance, though, to go against Panama and pick up three points oh, yeah. without so Bunny Shaw. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Although
0: Bunny Shaw is the heavy hitter yeah. in the forward, and she leads this team on all aspects of the, the leadership chart, um, They're still a team that can go out there and compete, and I think we yeah. saw that against France because holding them to scoreless is yeah. incredibly impressive. Those are the first points that Jamaica has picked up in either of their World Cups, which is fantastic yeah. for them. Yeah, the scenes were cool the after ce- the, the game. Yeah. Spence yeah, the is going to be important for them
3: centrally against Panama, but then going forward, they have they have Matthews, Washington, and then Kiki Van Zanten um, plays, played for Notre Dame. She is off the bench, too. I think they have options going forward. J- Jody Brown, a lot of speed. It's not that going forward, uh, this is a, a Jamaican squad that I think is going to stay Still have um, maybe they're gonna have to share the load a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Shayna Matthews, I thought, had a really good game. Yeah. Dis- she nearly got a goal there towards the end. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. How about Monday's results? Then today, yesterday, tomorrow, whichever way round it falls, uh, Brazil against Panama earlier on today, four 0 hey. Uh, that result was Italy with a 1-0 win against Argentina. And then Germany absolutely thrashed Morocco 6-0. Alex Pop had two goals in that game. Uh, Marta, though, coming on. Let's just mention her for oh, her no. six yeah. world chills. chills. What a special moment Massive that is for chills. the Brazilian.
0: She didn't get the start after this game, and I know there was some question marks about it, but you saw her on the bench. The biggest smile across yeah. Marta's face for the entirety of the first, what, 60 minutes before she checked onto this match. Uh, but a huge, huge game from Ari Borges, um, a player in the NWSL that comes out with a hat trick in this game for Brazil. Just fantastic. I think the play for this Brazilian side was really impressive. They have a lot of individual skill, but they can come together, and their team tactics were really well in transition. Their interchange on the field and then on top of that, the technical side of the game for Brazil. It was really fun to watch them.
3: Yeah, because they're playing this 4-4-2, but they tuck those those outside midfielders, one of them being Borges inside a little bit, so it allows their outside backs to just have so much freedom. And when you have T- Tamaris on one side, um, and then I know Bruninha got in on the other side at some mm-hmm. point, they utilize their outside backs so much, so it allows those Really, six in the middle to have so much freedom in their movement. Um, it is Joga bonita
2: at the it's I was about finest. To say, yeah. You were neutral. You just love to watch this. Do you think this, this is? Season. Do you think I, think I was neutral today? <laughs> <laughs> is that Brazilian colors? I feel like I don't know. More yeah. here. <laughs> let me see. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll let it pass. Uh, how about Germany though? Six nil they one of the favorites as well, aren't they? Especially when you look at the odds coming into this, they were dominant. How much can you read into it, though, against the Morocco side, a debutant in the World Cup?
4: I think they came out, I mean, because they played, was it Zambia before, mm-hmm. and lost. It was a really rough game. So them coming out and thrashing, as you put it, was fun to see. And then they scored goals in so many different ways as well. And they were just dominant. They were forced to be reckoned with. I think they really made their mark in this first game. And if going into the next view I would be nervous to play Germany. How hard is that finish right here, Darian? This header from Pop. Power. Oh, no, she she's coming backwards. Her. She had two people marking her as well. It's yeah. incredible like no. the
3: way
0: that she manipulated her body to get herself back on goal. <laughs> I, I think the, the way that you kind of look at the heat map for this game is interesting because Alex Pop getting an, a brace in the first half so they go into the halftime 2-0 and then the first 30 seconds of the second half, Germany is right back mm-hmm. on it. They force two own goals. That's, mm-hmm. I think, the variety in which they scored was really impressive and Germany is going to be tough to beat moving forward. Mm,
4: yeah, like I keep called it. I, it sure did. It's like I put it out in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's I, that w- tempo that they
2: needed though, isn't it? It was great yeah. point what we saw from them in the first match was completely different to the performance that we saw in that um dominant win we'll call it that to say the very least okay still to come here on the attacking third uh, megan Klingenberg from portland thorns joins us the world cup winner with the u.s women's national team back in 2015 we'll be right back
5: paramount plus and the national park foundation present a mountain of zen are you still listening good take a deep breath you needed a break this Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.
2: Hey, welcome back to Attacking Third. We've got a very special guest joining us now, uh, US Women's National Team World Cup winner and Portland Thorns defender, Megan Klingenberg. Megan, great to see you. Welcome to Attacking Third. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, all. Thanks for having me. It's so good to see you, and it's good to see that the U.S. picked up their first win as they looked to 3 P in this competition. What have you thought of their performance, and how has the team really been supporting them from afar so far? You
5: know, we had a game practically the same time as U.S., so we didn't get to see as much of it as we would have liked. We had it on in the locker room, and we saw Sovs' first goal. So we're really proud of her and we're really proud of all of our thorns, but in general we're just proud of the NWSL players and stoked to see them kicking butt out there.
0: Megan, you mentioned Soph, of course, a teammate of yours at Portland. She gets an assist, two goals in that first U.S. game, but you're with her every day in training for club. How have you seen her progress as a player over the last two years?
5: There's not many players that I've looked at in my career and been like, oh, they're going to be special. <laughs> But as soon as I saw Soph play when she first came in with the thorns, I was like, yeah, (laughs) this girl has all of the tools, all of the necessary, uh, like, things to be special. And I think one of the things that makes her so good is how dedicated she is to the process. She's not just thinking about goals. She's not just thinking about wins. She's thinking about the dedication to getting better and the path to mastery, to excellence And she's, it also helps that she's incredibly mature for her age. Mm -hmm. So uh, she has all of the tools in her toolbox to be the best in the world. And I think her life is going to be very different after this World Cup. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
4: Kling, you guys had such a great game yesterday. You're coming off of two assists. With these players missing to the World Cup, who on your team has really stepped up and filled those shoes? Everybody. I mean... Every single
5: person that has been here has stepped up and done an excellent job. And maybe we haven't gotten the results that we would have wanted to in the first couple of games. But I don't think that we have put in bad performances. Mm -hmm. And the really cool part about this team is that we don't just train with our starting 11 when they're here and then forget about the rest of the players on the team. We train everybody as if they're going to be in the starting 11. Everybody has to know their roles. Everybody has to know the principles and the tactics and the things that we're going to go out there to do. And everybody knows them. And so whenever somebody does get an opportunity to step in and step up, they do.
3: Kling, I want to go back to the World Cup because I'm not done with this yet. <laughs> There's so much to talk about there. We're talking about a 3 potentially for the U.S. Women's National Team. Well, you were the first of those three wins. You were on that team in 2015. I remember there was a lot of chat about the team coming out of group play. Were they going to be good enough to get the victory? You guys proved everybody that you could do that. This team, there, there's chat after this first game. Are they going to be able to break down all these other opponents? For you, what's it, what was it like to be in that World Cup environment, and how do you manage being better every single game while also taking criticism but blocking it out at the same time?
5: Well, honestly, I can't imagine because the scope of the limelight is just so much bigger now. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Mm -hmm. even threads. like There are just so many things that you can get on and see what people are talking about. But what I did during the World Cup is I shut all of that down. I didn't go on Twitter. I didn't go on Instagram. I didn't go on anything. And I just cared about what I thought about my play and what my teammates and my coaches thought about my play. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of insulating yourself in that bubble is probably the best the best bet because you don't want to hear what people are saying about you, whether it's good or bad, because quite frankly, people don't know what they're talking about, uh-huh. even <laughs> if they're saying nice things.
2: It's so true, and Mm -hmm. I think you have such obviously a unique perspective with this team, and obviously there's still a few players on this team right now that was on the team back when you won it. What is it like just being at a World Cup in general, like on and off the pitch? Because obviously we see all the games, but we don't really get to see behind the scenes as much. What is it like being in camp there?
5: Well, sometimes I wish I could have done it again because I was just a ball of stress, and I don't think that I enjoyed Any of it, not one single second of it, because I was just so worried about doing well and helping the team and representing my country. Uh, I would have loved to have had a little bit more fun. So with this new perspective and a new kind of outlook of the way, you know, as you mature, I think that you can have a little bit more fun and a little bit more freedom in those instances. I'm sure that's what Megan Rapinoe is going through. But I bet it's quite different for the young ones that are coming in in their first World Cup, feeling the pressure to be, you know, who they are on the biggest stage, something that they've been working for their entire lives. So hopefully they can get to the point where they just say, hey, I'm going to be me and that's enough. But for me, I was, yeah, I did not do that. I was a little stressful.
2: So hopefully, <laughs> such good insight, though. It there. is, yeah. It's so easy to think that everyone's just having the most epic time, which on the pitch and winning, mm-hmm. you obviously yeah. are. But behind the scenes, yeah. there's so many emotions in yeah. such a high-stakes tournament. I and mean, there's a lot of downtime that you have to fill with who knows what, Kling. I'm sure you guys
3: have some stories from 15 about how you filled uh, that downtime.
5: <laughs> yeah, we do. I think we played a lot of um, Dutch Blitz we <laughs> drank a lot of coffee yeah yeah getting into the tournament we could go anywhere we wanted and not be recognized and then by the end of the tournament when we were in vancouver we couldn't even go outside without being mobbed so it was a very different experience from the beginning to the end and Um, Yeah, it's just something that you have to navigate. One of the cool things you're doing now,
3: Kling, is you work with some of your former U.S. Women's National teammates. You guys have your own brand, re Inc. And what happened over the last two World Cups is U.S. Soccer is partnering with these small businesses to put out some cool new content specific for the World Cup. Can you tell us what you guys released in partnership with U.S. Soccer just last
5: Friday? Yeah, this is so funny because the whole reason that we started this company is because we felt like at the end of the 2015 World Cup, all of these different entities, whether it was federations or sponsors or media rights holders, were making all this money. And we weren't. We weren't making any money off of our own hard work. And so we said, hey, we're going to start re because we want to have ownership in our product. And so that's why we started it. And people really didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're partnering <laughs> with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, yeah, we released a scarf with U.S. Soccer, um, and it's it's really quite cool. And we also released our own World Cup line uh, that pays homage to, you know, the history of the U.S. Women's National Team. And I think you know Tobin and Kristen, who come up with like a lot of the the designs, because I'm not really the design nerd, uh, yeah. come up with some incredible concepts and really produce really great uh, products that people want to buy. And it's just really cool to be a part of.
0: You've also got your hand in a number number of other different things, Megan. You jumped on the mic as well. You started a podcast. I want to hear a little <laughs> bit about it. But you're talking to players, teammates of yours, players in the NWSL going to the World Cup. I'm learning things listening to your podcast. What Have you learned from talking to players like Naomi Gurma about their
5: story in this sport? Well, thanks for listening, first of all. (laughs) That's really (laughs) nice of you. Uh, Yeah, it's called My New Favorite fútbolista, and it's one of my favorite things that I've ever done. I have so much fun playing soccer. It's by far my greatest passion in life, but I haven't found anything else that rivals that yet, but this has come very close, and the reason I love it is because I get to just be curious with people I really admire and respect and care about, and ask them questions that I don't think other people would feel comfortable asking. So I got to actually do so many parts of these interviews. I got to actually interview certain players. Then I got to go in the studio and record uh, more about these different players. And then on top of that, got to d- learn how to do, like reading the lines off the teleprompter. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite part was really digging in with all of the players and figuring out what makes them tick off the pitch. So with Naomi Gurma, what was really cool about her story was how big of a community, how much of the, her community and how big of a role it played in her development as a person and as an athlete. It was so cool to hear her discuss how it takes a village because we use that saying But now, in modern-day life, I don't think that we see that as much. It's more individual, the way that we raise our kids. But with Naomi Germa, it really did take an entire village. And it was her village and her family and her community. Mm. So digging into those different types of stories has been really cool. And it's stories that I don't think many people know or get to hear about these athletes. and. We, you know how people are. They're always like, stick to sports, stick to, stick to mm-hmm. sports. But if we stick to sports, we don't get to know these people as humans. And that's the really cool part about them. Mm-hmm.
2: It's so true. And it's so nice. I feel like you have such a good way of pulling out these raw stories uh, from your teammates, from former teammates as well. And it's been so nice to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the World Cup and best of luck this season with the Thorns. Thanks all. Keep Thanks, having Cleen. fun on the show. We'll Come join the us fun. if you want. Yes, exactly. <laughs> come in this studio. You can read the teleprompter. I'm sure you'll do a much better job than what I do. Uh, I stay with... practice first. <laughs> come on, we'll practice together. Uh, stay with us. We've got plenty more coming on the attacking third. We're going to look ahead to the World Cup games that are to come. We'll be right back.
4: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We you expecting someone else?
2: Hey, welcome back to Attacking Third. Here's a look at the upcoming Women's World Cup matches, all of which available on FS1. Uh, tomorrow in Group A, New Zealand taking on the Philippines. Also in Group A, Norway and Switzerland will go head-to-head. Switzerland and New Zealand at the top of that group. Elsewhere on Wednesday, Group C action between Japan and Costa Rica and Spain and Zambia. Then on Wednesday, Canada will take on Ireland Uh, Australia and Nigeria, the other two teams in that group. So Canada against Ireland coming in off that nil-nil draw against Nigeria. Do you feel like the pressure is starting to mount, Darian, on this Canadian
4: side? Oh, yeah, especially after coming off of winning the Olympics and all of the expectations everyone's had for that team. I think they really need to step up in this next game. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of pressure, and Ireland is coming off, you know, they got a point. It's not bad. They had a good game, and so Ireland's got a chip on their shoulder to come out and really play super physical against this Canadian this Canadian side. So it'll be a good match. I think uh, Canada really needs to step it up. I hope we see it. Yeah, Canada against Nigeria,
0: they, they should have scored. There was a missed penalty kick yep. opportunity. There was a moment at the end of the game where um, Nigeria gave the ball away in their defensive end, and Canada should have capitalized mm-hmm. on that opportunity, and they didn't. They left goals on the table for sure, and I love what you said about Ireland. Katie McCabe, she's mm-hmm. coming out, ready to fight. Um, I think that Ireland had a really good game against Australia despite the scoreline and the opportunities that were given there. think I, I think Ireland's gonna take this one over Canada. I
3: think Ireland because just the mentality. For Canada, I don't think, right now I'm not convinced mentally they can close out a game when it is in a tight situation. I I think that uh, their game management has to I don't know what it is. There's not that X factor about them. So I think they have a lot of good players. They can show some good skill, but Ireland has showed us in really 2023 how solid they can be and how tough mentally mm-hmm. in difficult situations when they've come and played and put up really good fights against some
2: of the best teams in the world. So, do you all agree that Ireland could do that upset? Yes. You two yes. definitely think so. Darian, how do you feel about I'm it?
4: Gonna, I'm going to ride with Canada. I, okay. like okay. Okay.
0: Defensive- I like it. Defensively, Ireland was really compact against Australia because yeah. they only allowed two shots on goal, and one of those was the penalty kick that yeah. obviously found the back of the net for Australia. So, so if they are compact, how is Canada going to break it down? That's the that's the question for me
3: because they want the space in behind. They want yeah. to utilize their wingers or Heidema. Um, so I think that the, the combination between Heidema and Sinclair, if Sinc does start again, has to be a little bit more fluid and the movement off the ball has to up a level. For this Canadian squad to be
0: able to find I, some success, I think Canada's going to get rocked a little by Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> if
4: we see what we literally. saw. <laughs> yeah, they're, Ireland's a feisty. they're yeah. a feisty team to play I don't against. Think Super physical. Yeah, I I don't know. I love watching games like this because I feel like teams similar to Ireland that come in and are super physical, Mm -hmm. it really throws the tempo off for these more favorited teams. Um, But I think the way that Canada's going to be able to score, I do think, is from crossing, Mm -hmm. crossing, finishing. I think that's their bread and butter. They have great finishers. They have tall players. And using that presence in the box, I think hopefully we'll get him a goal.
2: Uh, speaking of finishing, Spain didn't have any problem. They beat uh, Costa Rica 3-0. It could have been so many more, though, couldn't it, Jordan? They had 46 shots in the end. They'll take on Zambia in the next game, who haven't had the best look with injuries. They're now down to their third-string goalkeeper.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Nali, their starting goalkeeper, tears her ACL right before the tournament, right before the tournament. And then Musanda gets two back-to-back yellows, a red card, so she's out. Now they're playing Sakala in this next game against Spain. So your third t- string goalkeeper has to come in against the most dominant, um, oh gosh, the tiki-taka soccer that Spain was playing, just moving it around. Their movement off the ball was second to none from what we've seen so far in this tournament. Um, Alexa, Alexia Puteas got on the field, yeah. and I mm-hmm. thought when she got on the field... It looked even more dangerous because her and Hermoso have such a good combination together, but also just her individual skill. This is going to be difficult Mm -hmm. for Zambia to find any kind of luck going forward. I think for them, they're going to have to figure out a way um, to up their line a little bit. I think they dropped a little too defensive to begin with against Japan. And then they stepped too high, so it was like Japan figured both things out. It took them a little a bit of time, but I think Zambia needs to play a little bit more of that Haitian mid-block and, and make this Spanish squad play a little bit farther away from their box, which they had to do in the second half, and they didn't score any
0: goals when Spain played in that second half. The key for Spain is gonna be testing the goalkeeper early, right? Because yeah, there's yeah. no absolutely no tape on this third string goalkeeper. The nerves are gonna be flying. Um, she, she gets an opportunity, one that, Three weeks ago, she never thought she would get, right, being the 3rd friend so goalie cool on this team. It's her. so yeah. cool. The opportunity is fantastic for her, but Spain has to test her immediately. That's got to be the first 10 minutes of this game, getting in behind, whipping shots on goal, and seeing where her weaknesses are, and then capitalizing yeah. on those. Which I think it was, Darian, the last time
3: when we were talking about Spain, we're like, yeah, 20 seconds in, they're already... Yeah. Making their way down the field, their
4: outside backs are high. Yeah, brutal. It's tough night. It's going to be a tough night, but I do agree with your point that if Zambia pushes their line higher, then in these transition moments, because Spain's going to dominate in possession. That's mm-hmm. just their style, and that's so frustrating as a player. We've mm-hmm. all been there, where you can't get close enough to somebody to even like drop into a defensive position, and then the ball's <laughs> gone. and They're like, oh my god, now we're going to have to go. So I think pushing higher up the field working on those turnovers and trying to capitalize on them um, is gonna be Zambia's best bet. But Spain it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game to watch them and their style of play. It's a joy. It's hard to be a brave
2: team, isn't it, against a team yeah. like yeah. Spain because there's so much risk in in the high press and you don't I want think to be on the highlight reel for so the and with Pateas coming in and out of the lineup And Spain still playing the way that they have been playing, I think says a lot about the depth that this team has and the cohesion. Uh, Switzerland against Norway, the other match that we've got circled. Norway losing 1-0 to New Zealand on the opening day. Switzerland beating the Philippines 2-0. Who do you favor in this game, Lisa?
0: Um, I've been impressed with Switzerland. I, I really was in their opening match. I, I thought that they dominated a little bit more than I was expecting yeah. them to in this mm. game. I didn't. I didn't know much about Switzerland coming into it. I had to kind of dive into this mm-hmm. team and this roster, what they would give us. Yeah, I favor Switzerland. Okay. I,
3: do. I thought Ramona Bachmann was really good. She's the most experienced player on this Swiss team, and it was no surprise that she had the freedom to do pretty much whatever she wanted. It was a 4-4-2 from them, but she was one of those two front runners, and she drifted into the. Midfield, she was on the left, she was on the right, so everything goes through her. Norway was not cohesive in their first game. They're going to look back at that game and think everything went wrong. I thought Engen didn't do a very good job as their holding midfielder, and she's going to have a big responsibility against uh, Bachmann. So I think for Norway it's going to be a wake-up call. Did they really come to play in this World Cup? But but Swiss shows the Switzerland team shows a lot of different movements that are hard to. Track. So, how will Norway be able to handle that after a poor performance?
4: You agree, Darian? Which I way agree. are you falling on this? I'm falling with Norway. I think they've okay. got the pressure on them. I want to see teams come out after a really difficult game like that where everyone's criticizing them. And I want them to do well. I love, I'm a yeah. fan of the players on the team. So, I think yeah. they're going to yeah, pull they through. they have
2: Graham Hansen. And yeah. They have a
4: stacked team. Yeah. Yeah. And, are, yeah. so. and the results I mean, so
2: far in that group make the group very interesting mm-hmm. to see who's going to get out of it. Uh, we'll see, but still to come here on Attacking Third, the NWSL rolls on with the Challenge Cup. Sandra Herrera is going to join us next to discuss. We'll be right back.
0: Let's go! It's the most all-star-studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
6: Terms apply.
2: Well, things really getting interesting now in the Challenge Cup racing Louisville 4-0. Four match days in after they got a 2-0 win against the Chicago Red Stars. The San Diego Wave fell to the Portland Thorns, 4-1 the final score there. At the Kansas City Current with a 3-1 win against the Dash and Gotham with a dominant 3-1 win on the road at Exploria Stadium against the Pride. And for more on this, we welcome in Sandra Herrera to start with the big thrashing from the Courage. 6-0 the final score, Sandra. All six goals came in a time span of 22 minutes in the second half. And to have six different goal scorers, I mean, makes it even more impressive, doesn't it?
6: 100%. Look, I think that's what... It sticks out the most in in this game. It's not that it was a six-goal blowout where some happened in the first half and then you kind of cap things off and celebrate. No, it just took a short window of time in this game, and that is what's most impressive by this win from the Courage. Don't ever let anyone tell you that it's impossible to get huge blowout wins in the NWSL. It's difficult, but not impossible, and the Courage are showing why. We're also going to get a chance here to see this Courage side flex off their depth not too sure if that is something that has been talked about enough when it comes to this North Carolina courage side these are six different goal scorers typically role players that we've seen for this Courage side, but we shouldn't maybe be too surprised at this actual result because this is a team that has bought into their Mm -hmm. system. We've seen them play some very beautiful possession-orientated soccer and it just goes to show that even with some key starters out for the World Cup, as you rotate players in, the belief in the system is there and players can pick up and produce results like this.
3: Yeah, not just that. That was a worldie by Rihanna Pinto who we've dreamt about scoring that goal, but barely anybody (laughs) ever scores is it I, I can't believe how sweet she hit
0: that one definitely impressive up Sandra I'm staying in the Central Division for Challenge Cup because Kansas City beat Houston 3-1 after Houston scored first but it was Kristen Hattrick Hamilton who got it done how did Hamilton get it done in this game
6: I love the uh, the nickname there and look I don't <laughs> want to simplify it. I don't want to simplify it. by uh, just saying that she just simply exists. But a part of it is that this is the Kansas City current side that we unfortunately had to talk about a lot of injuries that have impacted the start of their season. But now they are absolutely making a run in this second half of the season and they're kind of utilizing this challenge cup as an opportunity to get everything right. And as we see Kristen Hamilton. Get stronger week in and week out with this team. She just reminds everyone that she is a proven goal scorer in this league. She's an absolute league legend. Someone on the pitch that they know they can find as that central striker or as the extra outlet and that she's going to deliver. I agree.
4: Love that Hammy's scoring some goals and back and healthy. I have to ask. Orlando Pride and the Gotham match. I want to hear your thoughts on it being Allie Krieger's last game at Exploria before she retires at her old stomping ground in Orlando. Good game?
6: Yeah, I was just happy we finally got to see it. These poor teams, they had (laughs) multiple Challenge Cup games that were rescheduled. It's like, are we ever going to get to see these two teams go head to head in Challenge Cup? And we finally got to see it. And yeah, there's always going to be emotions involved. I think when you're talking about such an iconic player in Allie Mm -hmm. Krieger, returning to a place where she played for so long, kind of this little bit of a retirement tour that she's on in her final season in nwsl but i think when we're looking at the 11 versus 11 here as we saw gotham line up against the, an orlando squad that maybe didn't have their what's considered their ideal starting 11 they don't they have some players away to the world cup at this moment but they mostly have a roster intact versus mm-hmm. gotham and that has a plethora of their starters in the world cup and i think when you look at the the players available to go up against uh, Orlando on the road, a tough place to play in, a Yasmeen Ryan, a Mitch Purse, a McCall Zerboni, and the addition of Katie Stengel on this on this short loan, who is really kind of providing for, for Gotham in the stretch. I think we kind of saw the stronger of the two lineups kind of going head-to-head. So great to finally see them get a chance to finally <laughs> play against each other. Uh, but Gotham, I think, showing that they're also going to do it without some of their key starters as well
3: we're talking a lot about all the, the number of players in NWSL that are playing right now in the Women's World Cup. You mentioned these players that now are having opportunities to show what they've worked on all season. At the end of the Challenge Cup, who do you think is going to be the player that we're saying has a breakout during this time when all these players are away?
6: I think we're still going to talk about Julie Doyle. I think this is a tough, uh, you know, result to come off for Orlando. Maybe it's it's finally their first game back together. It's finally a, a Challenge Cup game that they have to get together and finally play. It was rescheduled a number of times. But the young player that I think they're looking at to sort of build around and with, they have a, a number of players, young part of their young core, whether it's Doyle or Bright, as mm-hmm. examples. But she's a player I think that we'll look at towards the end of this Challenge Cup as someone who stepped up. Mm-hmm.
2: I love it. Sandra, just before we let you go, obviously the U.S. taking on the Netherlands on Wednesday at nine o'clock. Quick prediction from you. Ooh,
6: <laughs> I'm going to go 2-0. I think they're going to get a couple goals and I think they're absolutely going to want to show off their defense. Just like how they did
2: in the final. Right. Darian, what do you think? Oh, scores. Shoot. Let's give some predictions. <laughs>
4: um, I'm going to go 1-0. Close. Nice. Yeah. Okay. 2-1. Oh, not a clean sheet. I'm going with what I did the other day, 4-0. Wow. wow. Yes.
2: Yep. yep. That dominant? I like that confidence,
3: Lisa. (laughs) I do,
2: yeah. I love the confidence. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We'll see you back here on Wednesday to look ahead to the U.S.'s match. But have a lovely day. Enjoy the rest of the games. We'll see you Wednesday. Bye.